All right. How many of you guys just had your childhood flash before your eyes? You're like, vanilla ice? Come on, man. That's amazing. This is the final week of our series, Summer Mixtape. And the whole idea behind this series is typically we would teach about one topic for the course of four to six weeks and dive in maybe to one particular part of scripture or one theme or doctrine or something like that. But in the summer, we thought, let's just mix it up. Let's do something crazy and different and fun every single week during August and July. And so that's what we've been up to. In particular, each week I've been trying to use like some themed props. That's part of the reason Dave was dressed up the way he was. I inspired him a little bit with uh, some of the things that we've been doing on Sunday mornings. And so today we're actually going to wrap up this series. And uh, what I hope is you're going to have an unexpected service. My hope is that you'll walk away talking about the things that you've heard and seen this morning and that you'll be like, wow, that wasn't exactly what I was expecting. I didn't know what I was expecting when I showed up at church today, but it wasn't that, although I'm really glad that I was there. And part of the reason that I want today to be kind of fun and interesting and different and unexpected is that we're going to be looking at a church service that happened in the Bible, and I'm telling you, it was completely unexpected. The things that happened at this particular church service were so out of the ordinary. They were so surprising, even miraculous, that when people left, they couldn't help but talk about what they had seen and what they had experienced at this church service. And hey, maybe, maybe, maybe we could do something today that would leave, uh, cause you to leave here talking about the things that you've seen and heard and experienced. So I'm going to dive right in because this story is interestingly and it's interesting enough without a ton of setup from me. So we're going to be reading in Mark chapter number two this morning, again, a very interesting church service where something unexpected, miraculous, even life-changing ended up happening. So we'll put the verses here on the screen, Mark chapter number two. You guys can read along there if you want. And I want you to know also that we have free Bibles out at the guest center. So this exact same Bible that I have in my hand is available for free if you just stop by the big orange welcome home banner and say, hey, can I have one of those Bibles? Listen, Having your own copy of the scripture is the very best thing you can do for your soul. To read it, to get familiar with it, to let God speak to you individually when you're not here on Sunday mornings is so healthy and helpful that we're willing to pay for you to have a Bible in your hand. So if you don't have a copy of the scripture, please get one before you leave. I promise there are no strings attached uh, at all, okay? So check this out. Mark chapter number two. Interesting, unexpected church service happens. The Bible tells us in verse 1, when Jesus returned to the city of Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. So one of the interesting things that happens at this church service is that everybody in the city shows up. Like it is packed. There are no empty seats at all. People are standing in the aisles. People are even like filling the doorway and out in the front lawn of this particular house where Jesus was so they can listen, so they can hear. I mean, this was pretty interesting stuff for that many people to show up to a church service. Like you look around here today, like we, we've got some empty seats and things like that. I'm sure you've got neighbors that are like, nah, I'm asleep in today or it's a long weekend. I'm going to the mountains, right? But something was happening at this particular church church service that was so, excuse me, it was so powerful. It was so 
mag- it was magnetic. People had to show up for it. So what was it? What was it that was drawing all these people from the town of Capernaum in? Well, it wasn't just the fact that it was a beautiful location. It was. Capernaum is a lake town in northern Israel. It's beautiful. You can go visit today. It's kind of like the, um, maybe like the vacation spot for everybody that would have been there. If they wanted to get away with the family for a bit, instead of going to BC, they would have gone to Capernaum, okay? And so it was a beautiful location, but that wasn't the reason that everybody was showing up. It wasn't because of the message that Jesus was teaching necessarily, like the particular sermon that he was giving that day. In fact, we don't even know what Jesus said in this sermon. We have no clue. The Bible never records for us what his sermon was. So it wasn't the message that was drawing people in. It wasn't the band. I don't know if they had a band or not. I like to imagine that they did. And the band was up there rocking before Jesus got on stage. And I'm sure they slayed it. I'm sure they did such an amazing job, just like our band does week in and week out. But you know what? People weren't really excited about the band. That's not what they were stoked about. They weren't stoked about the song selection. They didn't show up because, you know, the people who were putting on this church service put donuts out for everybody in the foyer. They didn't come for any of those reasons at all, by the way. We don't have donuts for you this morning. As soon as I say that, I'm like, oh, they probably think we're going to give them donuts today. We're not. So, (laughs) sorry, should have thought that one through. Um, So look, they're not excited about any of the typical stuff that we would associate with an amazing church service. None of that is why this place is packed. None of that is why everybody in the city is coming in and they'll fight for position and they'll do anything they can to get inside and participate in this church service. It's not because of any of that stuff. The reason that everybody is so excited about what's happening at this church service is that Jesus is in the house. Jesus is the reason people are pumped. That's the reason that everybody is smushing and fighting and trying to get a seat on this particular morning. It is all about Jesus. Can you imagine people like maybe families and on Saturday night, you know, mom and dad are sitting in the living room, kids have gone to bed and they look over at each other and they're like, so where do you want to go to church tomorrow? We could, we could go, you know, a bunch of different churches. Where should we go? Because, you know, Dan is preaching at Connect Church up there at, at Cross Iron Mills. But then, you know, Jesus is over in Capernaum. You think we should go there instead? No, of course. Nobody would go to any other church service in the city if Jesus was the guest preacher somewhere. You know what I mean? Everybody would go to wherever Jesus was. And so people are excited because they hear that Jesus is in the house. Also, I, I kind of like the idea of Jesus being the guest preacher because I think about like all the behind the scenes stuff that go on as a preacher on Sunday mornings. And I think about Jesus trying to go through all of these things. Like, for instance, can you imagine whoever's job it was to go up to Jesus and say, now, Jesus, we're in a rented venue and we need to be out by noon. And so um, it's really important that you stick within the 35 minute time slot that we have for the message this morning, okay? In fact, we're gonna have a screen and there's a big countdown clock on there. So I just need you to be aware of that, Jesus, okay? Can you do that for us? Thank you so much. Jesus is like, you know my father created time, right? Like, you can't, you can't force me to take 35 minutes. I'll take as much time as I wanted. The reason that this was such an amazing church service was because Jesus was present with the people who were there. It wasn't slick marketing. It wasn't fancy lights. It wasn't the best venue. It wasn't the best music. Jesus was the difference maker. Jesus was the thing that drew everybody in. So think about this, okay? You've got everybody in the city showing up. 
Jesus is the guest preacher. Sounds like a perfect church service, doesn't it? Not for everybody. The reason this story is so interesting is because it was not perfect for everybody. Look at what happens next here in verse number three. The Bible tells us while he was preaching God's word, while Jesus was preaching and teaching to this mass of people gathered in this home, the Bible says four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. There's a couple of characters here that we're going to be talking about this morning. We've got the four friends. We'll get to them in a moment. But it, it kind of, the, the focus of this story is going to be Jesus and this paralyzed or partially paralyzed man. The word that's originally used here in the text means somebody who was partially paralyzed. Somebody who didn't have full access to, you know, his body working correctly. Somebody, we don't know, like, what exactly his issue was. It was probably a nerve or neurological issue. And uh, probably he was paralyzed from the waist down or something very, very similar to that. He was a sick guy and he had been this way for his entire life. So we're going to pause on this church service that's happening for a moment and I want to talk about this guy, okay? Because this guy, his life was really rough. I've got an exercise mat here um, because this man lived his entire life on a mat. This was his existence. By the way, this is the first time I've ever used a yoga mat, okay? And this poor guy, because he was paralyzed, and there was no social insurance in his day, there was no disability help, there were no wheelchairs, there was nothing for this guy. And so this poor guy, because of his physical ailments, Every single day, a family member or a friend would come get him. They would drag him on his mat out to a public place in the town. He would sit there and he would beg for money on the side of the road. This was his entire life. This man's whole life was defined by the four corners of this mat. He had nothing. It had to be a really terrible, hard sort of life to be living. And I want you to picture this guy, week in, week out, maybe he's in his 20s, 30s, I don't know. This is all he knows. This is all he's got. He's hopeless. He's never going to get married. He's never going to have a job. He's not allowed to go to temple because of his physical disabilities and things like that. He is completely and utterly hopeless. Then one day, he's sitting there on his mat, and here's a commotion. And he notices people are running through the town square, like just constantly, full sprint, all over the place. Everybody seems to be running out in the same direction. But of course, he can't go follow them. He can't figure out what's happening. And so he starts shouting at people as they run by. And he says, what's going on? Where is everybody going? What's the hubbub? What's all this? Somebody, as they run by, they say, Jesus is in the house. Jesus is here. He's in Capernaum. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing people. And they keep on running by him. I imagine there were people that stepped over him as they ran to go be with Jesus. And this poor guy watched hundreds of people run right past knowing full well he needed help, 
knowing full well he needed healing, and they did nothing to help him get to Jesus. It's a tough situation. It really is. I mean, I I don't know if you can identify at any level with the guy who's stuck on the mat. I've been there before. Um, You know, I've, I've never been partially paralyzed, thank goodness. But, you know, I have to tell you, many times in my life I've felt half alive. Maybe you have too. There have been times in my life where if you looked at me from the outside, you'd be like, man, he seems to be doing fine. Everything's going great. Inside, I'm isolated. I'm lonely. I don't feel like I have answers. I'm not sure there's any purpose to my being here. The people I thought that loved me had disappeared. Like, it was really, really hard. And quite frankly, before I met Jesus, I felt half alive. My guess is, there are some of you that are here this morning, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. On the outside, you look fine, you smile, you go to work every day. You raise your kids, you pay your taxes. On the outside, you look like everybody else. And on the inside, you feel like you're half alive. Something is missing. You don't know what it is. Everybody in your life seems to be running off to some event on their calendar that you were not invited to. Other people seem to have a joy or a fulfillment or a purpose or a marriage or a kid or a job that that you would love to have and you don't. And I have to ask myself, as somebody who's been on the mat, so to speak, at at different times in my life, and as someone who is surrounded by people who are trapped on their mat at the moment, I have to ask myself, how many people do I run right past every single day, knowing full well that they're desperate and lonely and they need help? And I'm like, oh no, I got to get to church. Oh no, I got to go to my connect group. Oh no, I got to go pray. And I step over the people who need to get to Jesus the most. I got to tell you, this story, it convicts me. It hurts me to think about this guy and people not helping him. And to think that in 2019, I might be the person stepping over those in need while I run off to go do the religious thing every opportunity I get. I hope that's not the case for you. But if it is, then I hope you'll pay attention to the rest of the story. Because our world is full of people who are stuck on their mat. They are broken. They're isolated. They're desperate. Calgary is full of people who are half alive. And we know what will bring them fully to life. And yet we step over them, run off to go do whatever it is that we think is important in the moment. So this guy is, it's not a perfect church service for him. He can't even get there. Doesn't matter how good the message is. Doesn't matter that Jesus is in the house. Doesn't matter that they have a killer band. Doesn't matter that they have free donuts in the lobby. He can't even get there. So it's not a perfect service for him. We read on here, this partially paralyzed guy was stuck, but here's the good news, he wasn't completely alone. Thankfully, not everybody in the town of Capernaum was going to run right past him. Not everybody was content to let him be while they went off to church and patted themselves on the back 
for being a good follower of Jesus. Instead, the Bible tells us here in in the uh, second part of verse number three, that he was carried by four men. His friends decided that they weren't going to step over him and they weren't going to ignore him, but they were going to go get him and make sure that he had the help that he needed. I love the fact that this guy had these friends because without the friends, he still would have been on his mat for the rest of his days. So we read that the Bible tells us in in, uh, another gospel that they come and all four guys pick up a corner of this paralyzed man's mat. They lift him and they carry him to the church service. Now, I want you guys to understand that this was a real sacrifice on the part of the friends to go and carry this guy. First of all, it's a lot of physical work. Have you ever carried a full-grown man before? They're heavy. And they had to carry him probably a long way. It's not like the guy was just around the corner from where the church service was happening. It was probably in another part of town. And they decided, we're going to lift him. We're going to carry him, even if it's a lot of work. I want you to also consider that for these four men, it was a sacrifice because while they were going to get their friend, they were missing out on everything that was happening at the church service. Jesus was teaching. He was performing miracles. He might've been turning more water into wine. They were missing out, you guys. Some cool stuff was happening. And they said, you know what? We can't fully enjoy the service knowing our friend can't be here. We can't fully enjoy our time with God, knowing there is a world of people out there who are like our buddy, half alive and desperately in need of help. We're gonna come back to these four guys in a moment, but I wanna tell you I'm grateful and I bet many of you are as well for the friends in your life who were willing to do whatever they had to do to drag your happy little butt to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Because some of us didn't even want to go. It's not like we couldn't get there. We just didn't even want to go. And we had people in our lives who were like, buddy, I'm not going to let you stay here. If I have to drag you the entire way to Christ, I'm going to do it. I think about my youth pastor, Rick Stokes. Man, I'm so grateful for this guy because when I showed up in youth group, I wasn't raised in church. And so when I started going, I was 17 years old. I was a terrible teenager. Like I was the worst kid in the youth group and I'm cussing and I'm trying to make out with all the girls and I'm smoking out back and I'm like, I'm doing everything I shouldn't be doing. And the interesting thing was my youth pastor was like, you know what? We love you. You're welcome here. And I understand, Daniel, that you're kind of trapped on a mat, so to speak, right now. You're half alive. There's still parts of you that that God has not gotten to yet, but we want you to know that's okay. And we're gonna bring you to the one who can heal you. He didn't push me away. He didn't block me out of the youth group. He didn't say, if one more F-bomb slips out of your mouth, dude, don't ever come back. He didn't do any of that. He welcomed me. He carried me when I wasn't even headed in the right direction. Now, you might think to yourself, you know, oh, well, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm glad that you had a a wonderful youth pastor like that. You know, you probably went to some big church when you were a kid, Dan, and he was like a super cool, young, hip youth pastor. and He was full time at the church so he could spend all his time helping out troubled kids like you, you know, but I didn't have that and we don't have that here at Connect. Can I tell you something? My youth pastor, Rick Stokes, was one of the dorkiest men on the planet, okay? I need you to know this. This is important. I'm going somewhere with it. I'm not just giving him a hard time. He was one of the nerdiest men on the planet. 
planet. He was middle-aged. He had no fashion sense. He was out of shape. He was just not cool. He was not a cool youth pastor. But you know what? I didn't need a cool youth pastor. I needed somebody who genuinely loved me. Somebody who was willing to grab the corner of my mat and say, oh, you can't afford to go to summer camp? I'll pay for it. Somebody who said, Dan, you keep breaking all the rules around here, but you know what? You're still welcome. I didn't need somebody who was cool. I needed somebody who cared. Can I tell you something? I, I want to be a cool church. I do. We don't have to be cool in order to reach people, though. The only thing we need is to genuinely love and care for the people of Calgary. If we've got that and Jesus is present with us, I'm telling you miracles are going to happen. That is all we need. We don't need fancy lights. We don't need free donuts. All we need is to love one another genuinely, truly, and pull people to Jesus to the very best of our ability. It's what these four friends did. It's what somebody did for me. And it's the opportunity that God has placed in some of you. And I just, I, I, I beg God, don't ever let us be the church that steps over the people who need to get to Jesus so we can go do our religious thing with him. The story goes on and it tells us these four men brought their paralyzed man to Jesus, friend to Jesus, carried him on a mat. But in verse four, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole in the roof above his head, and then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Okay, so I told you this was an unexpected church service. Here's the first reason it was unexpected. There are a couple more. Everybody's having a nice church service. Jesus is preaching. He's doing his thing. And all of a sudden, there's a giant hole that appears in the ceiling, and somebody lowers this partially paralyzed guy down on ropes. Listen, if that happened this morning, I guarantee you, you would post about it. You'd, everybody would pull out their phone. They'd be Facebook living. They'd be Instagramming this mess. They're like, oh my gosh, can you believe what's happening at church today? Why did that have to happen? It's because the guy who needed to get to Jesus the most could not get to him because the Christian crowd was in the way. Okay, stay with me now. Stay with me. This is a tragedy. It really is. The guy who needed Jesus the most was boxed out by the Christians who were busy worshiping Jesus. Okay, I've been a part of some churches like this, and maybe you have as well, where you show up and all the Christians, man, they are so excited to worship and they're lifting their hands and they're clapping. And they're saying amen and they're quoting the verses while the pastor reads them. But you know, when you walk in for the first time, it feels like everybody's got their back turned to you. And they're focused on Jesus and they've got their arms around each other and they're singing what a beautiful name it is. And there's no room to break in. There's no room for anybody else. The people who need to get to Jesus are often blocked by the ones who've already gotten to him. Can I give you the principle here? Can I give you the tragedy and the irony? Too often, we focus on Jesus and we forget the world. We focus on Jesus, but we forget the rest of the world. God did not save us so that we could sit around and congratulate one another about being saved. God didn't save us 
so that we could come to a one hour a week event. He saved us and then he sent us out on mission. We don't do this for one 50, 60 minute block on Sunday mornings. This is a 24 seven, 365 lifestyle. We do this every single day. Why? Because it's not about us. We're not here to hold people back. We're here to make room. We're going to slide over. We're going to say, you belong here. You need to get to Jesus. You're half alive like we were half alive. We found the one who can make us fully alive, and we want you to know him as well. The tragedy is when Christians get so focused on Jesus, they forget the world that Jesus loves. You could show up every Sunday. You could worship passionately. You could give in the offering. You could do all of that. But I'm telling you, if in the process you ignore the people in your life who need what you have, you have missed the boat. You have misunderstood why God has put you here on this earth. We cannot let this happen at Connect. We cannot. We have to be a place where absolutely anybody can show up and they will not get boxed out. Do you know any basketball players, you know what boxing somebody out is? Anybody? A few of you guys do? Okay. So if you're playing basketball, what you do if you're on defense and somebody's trying to get a rebound maybe from the net is you use your body to block them from the goal. You use your body to keep them from getting close to where they need to be. And oftentimes, at least this is the way it's always been with me, when I played basketball, whoever's boxing somebody out will give them this little boop, little bump. You know what I mean? Just like, get off me, get back, get back. May we never be a church where we're boxing people out. Boop, get off, no room for you here. This is not your place, this is not your people. Boop, you go somewhere else, don't have time for you. We're full, no seats. We're just busy worshiping Jesus, doing our little religious thing. May we never be that church. What does it look like to box somebody out? Well, there are a bunch of ways we could do it at church. I mean, one is, you know, we're just unfriendly. I'm not saying connect is unfriendly. I'm saying if we're not careful, we could become unfriendly. And here's why. Not because we don't love the world, but because we already have a bunch of friends. Like we've got a nice little family here. And so it's like, no, I'm friendly. I talk to that guy and I talk to that guy and I talk to that guy. You're not friendly if you're friendly towards your friends only. <laughs> We're friendly when we show ourselves friendly to everyone. And so Connect has got to be a friendlier place. Like we have got to open up. We have got to say hello. We've got to shake hands. We've got to hear people's stories. We've got to do everything we can to drag them closer to Jesus. Another way we can box people out is with our own personal drama. Like we just bring our personal drama, our interpersonal issues with somebody else. And we're like, well, you don't know what she said to me. Who cares? None of that matters. Jesus is in the house. And there are half alive people that need to get to him. And we're going to push him away just because we can't get along? Come on. It's another way we can box people out. We can box people out by expecting unsaved people to act saved. Thank goodness my youth pastor never did this. Like if somebody shows up and they're not a follower of Jesus, they ain't gonna act like a follower of Jesus. I'm okay with that, are you? You should be. Because this is part of what it means to follow Jesus. Look, we have to make room. It's gonna be messy. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be uncomfortable to, to make room for somebody else who hasn't been a part of the group up to this point. But this is what we're called to do. It's what we've got to do, guys. Or this church might as well shut its doors and go home. Because there are plenty of other churches that are doing great gospel preaching. There are plenty of other churches that have amazing worship and killing small groups. Like there are lots of those churches. But there are few churches in the city of Calgary 
that are willing to find people who are half alive and go on a rescue mission. This is uniquely what Connect Church is. This is uniquely who we are. And if this is not the church for you, that's okay. There are other good ones. But if you stay, this is who we're gonna be. We're gonna go after people who need Jesus and we're gonna do everything we have to to make room for them so that they can experience what we've experienced. Okay, let's finish up the story here. The Bible tells us they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole down through the roof. Um, I used to misunderstand this verse because I was just a kid and I didn't know any better. I used to think, okay, so um, they had pitched roofs like we have in Calgary and, you know, they would have had like shingles and somebody would have been up there on the roof with like a jackhammer, you know, like... That wasn't it at all. In fact, in the ancient Middle East and, and in the Middle East even today, they had flat roofs and basically everybody had a patio on their roof. It would be like the porch. You would go hang out on the roof. There were often stairs up the outside and uh, the tiles that were on the roof were actually designed to be removable and replaceable. So it's not like these guys were like demolishing some rando's house so that they could lower their friend down. Like it was, you know, I mean, it, this was a gutsy move, no doubt. This was a gutsy move, but it wasn't exactly as I pictured it. But these four friends were willing to do anything they had to do to get their buddy to Jesus. And I am so grateful that they were. Now, if you've never heard this story before, you might wonder, what did Jesus think while this is going on? You know, he's preaching and all of a sudden dust starts falling on his head. He's like, what is going on up there? And he sees this partially paralyzed man being lowered down on a mat. Jesus must have been mad, right? He's like, why are you guys interrupting my sermon? You know, they only gave me 35 minutes today. I got time for this. He wasn't like that. He didn't say, oh, you guys should not have demolished their roof. Shame on you. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I don't have time for broken people. I'm here for good people. I'm here for religious people. He didn't say any of that. He was not mad. In fact, if you look in Mark chapter number two, verse 17, look at what Jesus had to say. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor Sick people do. I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus didn't get mad because he was thrilled with what these friends were doing. He compared himself essentially to a doctor. And he said, listen, I came to bring hope and answers and healing to everyone who feels half alive. And if Jesus is a physician, a doctor who offers hope and answers and healing, then essentially he's implying that church is supposed to be like a hospital. Do you understand that? A hospital is where sick people go to get the hope and the answers and the healing that they need. Can I ask you a question? What good is a hospital if there are no paramedics? What good is a hospital if the people who need the hospital can't get there? That's why Jesus was so happy with these four friends who brought their paralyzed buddy to Christ because they were functioning as paramedics. They were going after the people who were sick. They weren't ashamed. They weren't scared. They weren't hesitant to say, Jesus is the one that you need in your life. They were not afraid to bring their buddy to Christ so that he could have the hope and the healing that he needed. This is what you and I are called to do. We are called to be paramedics to a half-alive society, city. We are called to bring people who are disconnected from God and help them to discover a life-giving, life-overflowing relationship with him through Jesus. Can I show you how powerful your role as a paramedic is? 
Look at what verse number five says. Verse number five, the Bible says, after they lowered him down, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. It could be really easy to just blow right by that verse. So I want to pause here for a moment and ask you a a pretty straightforward question. Seeing whose faith? Whose faith? One more time. Whose faith did Jesus see? Their faith. Not the paralyzed guy's faith. The faith of the friends who were willing to carry their loved one to Christ. Can I tell you guys something? Your faith has the power to change someone else's future. You can't get saved for your friends. It's not your choice to make for them. You can't get saved for your son or daughter who's walked away from the faith, but you can play a part in them coming to Christ. Your faith can change someone else's future. My youth pastor's faith in me changed my future. He saw something about me that was true that I didn't even realize yet. Somebody's faith in you change your future. And we have the same opportunity to do that for someone else. Your faith can change someone else's future. So listen, you've got a friend or a family member you've been praying to give their heart to Jesus. Keep praying, keep inviting them, keep showing and sharing the love of Jesus. Don't be obnoxious about it. Don't be weird, but listen, keep doing everything you can to carry them closer to Jesus. Your faith has the power to change somebody else's future. Jesus wants to do something in our city. He wants to do something in your family. He wants to do something at your office. He wants to do something at your school. And he's placed you there to be the paramedic, the one who points people and pulls people to Jesus if that's what it takes. Jesus saw their faith and it changed his life. Guys, I hope that Jesus sees the faith of the people in Auditorium One at the Cross Iron Mill Cineplex. And he says, seeing their faith, I'm about to do something special in the city of Calgary because they believe so passionately that I can change their family. I can change their soccer team. I can change their neighborhood. I'm gonna move because of the faith of the people that are in this particular theater. Seeing their faith, the Bible says, he says to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now you might think, well, wait a sec. The dude didn't need his sins forgiven. He needed his body to work, right? He was partially paralyzed. That's the whole reason they brought him there. So maybe it was a bit of a letdown when Jesus said, hey dude, your sins are forgiven. He's like, cool, but I'm still on my mat. It's almost like maybe Jesus misunderstood why the guy came. No, he didn't. Jesus knew that yes, he needed physical healing and spoiler alert, he's gonna give it to him. But he knew that his real need, his deepest need were to have his sins forgiven and to be restored to his father in heaven. Every other problem and issue in his life flowed out of the fact that his his lifestyle had separated him from God, that his sin had created a barrier between him and the one who created him. And so Jesus says, I'm gonna deal with the physical stuff, but we've gotta deal with the spiritual first, then we can move on to the others. I don't know why you came this morning, 
Maybe you came because your marriage is falling apart and you've been desperate. Maybe you came because financially things have not lined up and you're like, I don't have anywhere else to turn. Maybe it's because you're lonely. Maybe it's because you've been depressed. Maybe you've been half alive as I have been. And listen, there are physical needs, there are emotional needs, there are relational needs in your life and Jesus can and will meet all of them. But the need he needs to meet first, the first thing he has to deal with is your spiritual condition. He can't heal your finances until he heals your soul. He can't heal your marriage until he heals your soul. He cannot heal you and give you purpose and meaning in life until he deals with the soul. And so he starts by saying to this guy, your sins are forgiven. That's what some of you need to hear today. You need to hear your sins are forgiven, that God loves you in Jesus. And you don't have to earn that love. You don't have to get your life right. You don't have to put money in the offering plate. You don't have to join the dream team. All you have to do is accept the free gift of God's grace through Jesus. What did this paralyzed guy do? Nothing. He couldn't do anything. He just received the free gift that God gave him. That's all you have to do as well. And then Jesus doesn't simply say, oh, well, your sins are forgiven. Go live a happy spiritual life. Instead, we read here in the rest of the passage, he says, my child, your sins are forgiven. If we jump down to verse 11, the Bible says, um, Jesus said then to the man, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, he grabbed his mat and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and they praised God exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. I told you guys that part of the reason this is such an interesting church service was because unexpected things happen, right? Hole in the roof, guy lowered down. It's pretty crazy. Jesus showed up. That's not an everyday Sunday sort of thing, right? But the real reason that everybody was talking about this service, the reason that we're still talking about it 2,000 years later on the other side of the planet is because Jesus took a guy who was half alive and he made him fully Jesus took somebody who felt isolated and lonely and broken and forgotten. And he said, no, you're not. You are my child and I want to forgive your sin and I want to heal every other issue in your life. It is in Jesus that we are made fully alive. So those of us who have been made fully alive, we get the opportunity to go share that news with other people and to bring them closer to Christ. Those of us that are here this morning and we're like, I don't know, I still feel half alive. What am I missing? You're missing Jesus. This is the difference. This is the thing that will change everything in your life.